0: This episode of The Moms Network is brought to you in part by DuPage Medical Group. We care for you.
1: Welcome to the Moms Network, a talk show all about moms and family. Today, Grace Lindsay and I are joined by Dr. Danielle Cooling from DuPage Medical Group to discuss allergies and how to best manage them. Dr. Cooling, can you share a little bit about your background and why you became a pediatrician?
0: Love to. Well, to start off, with, I chose to. I always knew I was going to work with kids. I just love working with kids. I think it's a fun age to work with, and I love the idea when I was considering medicine of more preventative care than actually. Um, treating or diagnosing things and in kids a lot of it's preventative a lot of it's working through and getting them keeping them healthy and keeping them developing and (laughs) keeping them moving forward rather than having to worry um, about a lot of the and trying to avoid the complicated things as they get older Um, i love working with the parents as well though as a collaborative um, effort because of course it's a team effort to getting the kids keeping the kids healthy with the parents too so i love that about my job
1: that's awesome Mm -hmm. and you have children yourself
0: i do i do i have a just turned five-year-old okay. uh, boy named Luke and a uh, now seven-month-old named Jacob. Wow. So that's awesome. Like a big gap, but no, that it's not that us. big.
1: Yeah. I've uh, we have a seasoned moms group on the branch, mm-hmm. and we're having a social. And they're moms that are 50 and have a an 18-year-old and a three-year-old. So. Oh. That's a, that's a super yeah. big gap. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. That's true. That's a much bigger of a gap. Uh-huh. And it's what worked out for our family. So it's, it's working out beautifully. So mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Now when, do your kids struggle with any type of allergies or anything? Um, so
0: I struggle with a lot of seasonal allergies. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm sniffling and water guys <laughs> right now. Um, but, um, so my son, um, not diagnosed, um, it's more clinical diagnosis that we've had for him based off of my history, mm-hmm. um, has seasonal allergies and he does respond well to the long-acting antihistamines um, when he's um, struggling with his symptoms. Um, he also, as a baby, had a um, milk protein allergy, which is a little bit different, mm. kind of an allergy compared to a food allergy as you get older. Um, you can outgrow grow a milk protein allergy in babies, which is wonderful because he now drinks dairy and, or does dairy and milk without products without a problem. Um, so he struggled with a little bit of of. food in the beginning, no food now, more seasonal now. So far, the baby is doing well, so nothing right now.
1: You know, it seems kind of like a crapshoot these days. I don't remember all of these allergies being around. Do you? I Our, mean,
2: yeah, I definitely feel like it's more prevalent for yeah. sure now. I have a lot of friends that have kids with very severe allergies, mm-hmm. you get into the peanut allergies more, yeah. anaphylactic reactions, that sort of thing. I have a friend who, the first time she gave her kids um, peanut butter, she did it in the ER parking lot. <laughs> oh, did no, she really? She was so afraid to do it. Um, she said, I'm going to drive to the hospital. So she put the kids in the car, she bad, drove yeah. to the hospital, um, and she she sat, then, sat in the car <laughs> in the parking lot at the ER and gave her kids peanut butter for the first time because she was just so paranoid because you read these really terrifying things about some of these reactions and typically, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Dr. Cooling, but the more reactions you have, the worse they get each time Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, Progresses. They progress, yeah. Um, Our daughter had a milk protein allergy as well Mm -hmm. and our pediatrician, um, thankfully her sister is an allergist and she was able to diagnose an f like a food protein Mm -hmm. induced um, I don't remember what the exact
0: acronym stands for. Well, um, food induced um, endocrine liver. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh my so gosh, it was. Say right now. <laughs> yeah. um, but you're basically, it's a fasting your GI tract, unfortunately. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um,
2: for us, we figured it out. I was nursing for the first six months completely, and thankfully, she didn't react through my milk at all. So I didn't have to change my diet. I know um, some people do have to change their diet for these sorts of things, and their kids have maybe two or three foods they eat, period, and it's Mm -hmm. really, really detrimental Mm -hmm. to their everyday life. Thankfully, we didn't experience that, but we tried yogurt at six months. When she was six months old, we tried yogurt, and she threw up everywhere. It was a reaction unlike anything I had seen before, and it was terrifying. I mm. um, called the pediatrician. She said, you know, watch for dehydration, all of these things, and then um, I was able, unable to pump enough at one point when I was going to be away from her, so we tried some formula. She had the same reaction. Mm. That's when we pieced it together with our pediatrician that it was that kind of reaction. Avoided all dairy until she was one. Mm. She outgrew it, just like Dr. Cooling mentioned, mm. so thankfully we're fine now that she's almost five. She has no real reactions anymore.
1: Yeah, good. How about you, Grace? How about your kids?
3: I went through a similar situation actually Mm -hmm. while I was nursing both my boys. Um, Any type of reaction they would have, whether it was they were having reflux or throwing up or just wasn't, they weren't sleeping well or they were in discomfort, I assumed it was something that I ate Mm -hmm. and then passed on to my children during nursing. So I was so anxious, especially with my first because it was all very new. So I tried the elimination diet and that was really hard.
2: So hard. <laughs> so hard. I did it for one day and I gave up. Oh I said, I can't do this. I'd rather not nurse. So hard.
3: I mean, it's like, I, you know, my, my, they were so sweet. Pediatrician gave me the whole map of like how to do it and what to remove and for how long. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, this is great. My kid's going to get the best milk ever. I'm going to be miserable. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, where do I put <laughs> my gonna cheese? Or you're going to lose a lot of weight. Well, where's, yeah. where's my cheese here? Yeah. I was like, I don't know if I could do this. And I did start, but it was one of those things too where she didn't put a lot of pressure on me. And she said, listen, by the time we actually figure out what it is, this could be weeks down the road, or they could outgrow it. Like, let's Mm -hmm. just keep trying and see. And if it's not a very strong reaction where you know they're super sick, if you feel like there's a little discomfort, maybe there's something, but if it's nothing extreme, like go easy on yourself and let's just take time and see what this is. Mm -hmm. So, and that's what we did. And luckily, he just just said reflux, you know, Mm -hmm. a little (laughs) over the counter or something. I am curious,
2: Dr. Quilling, do you feel like the norm is people say, oh, to avoid, getting allergies or creating them that you should be trying
0: things or giving your kids things. So they've kind of gone back and forth yeah. on that a lot. Um, definitely in the beginning of my training, it was more like introduce foods later in, mm-hmm. and, and to try to avoid the avoid, um, creating allergies in kids, particularly food allergies. Mm-hmm. And then now it's more introducing foods at a younger and younger age. So now we're yes. encouraging as long as four months, six months old in exposing them to your you know, solid foods and including even things like peanut butter, and there's now Typical snacks allergies. and things like that that you can do to um, like baby snacks now that have like the peanut butter powder on them or nut mm-hmm. powder on them to get them exposed at a younger age. So the thought is now if you expose them younger, there's less of a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, although we still kind of tread lightly when there's a, a lot of allergies in the family of how young mm-hmm. we want them to start because of the potential for reaction. Um, that, although it isn't necessarily a genetic thing, we do see trends in families. So it's a little bit Mm -hmm. of a, what you're supposed to do textbook clinically wise and and then what we as, practicing wise with our families and making sure they're comfortable exposing their kids to those allergens and um, knowing what their other kids might have gone through. So I have I a friend
2: that. whose son has a lot of severe allergies and originally their pediatrician recommended trying to keep their other kids, their uh, middle son specifically, exposed to those things so he didn't develop anything, but it was so risky for their older son right. that right. they had to just completely make their entire home dairy-free because ah. they were trying to keep his bottles upstairs in his room, but then he had contact Issues where then he was breaking out, and every reaction was worse and worse and worse, and epipens and ER visits, oh. and all of these things that were really terrifying. That, yeah. that they said, unfortunately, our house is just going to have to be completely free of these allergens at the risk of their other kids, just because they. Which has to be to keep so their older scary. Safe. Yeah, how do no. they go to school? I mean, their that- preschool is very, very good wow. about um, their allergies, and I know. And actually, our daughter goes to the same preschool that their son started at. And they have a lot of guidelines and rules about, you know, even for our daughter's birthday, what I could bring mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, but then now he's at Anne Reed in District 203, and they have a lot of kids there. Yeah. That yeah.
1: You hear some people, moms online, that are like, oh, gosh, we can't, why mm-hmm. can't we bring this in? Like, you know, if you don't have a child that struggles with it, my right. kids don't. They've had right. little seasonal mm-hmm. allergies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my son Christopher, if he picks up Ruby... You know, and he and he then ever gets it in his eyes. He definitely gets sure. it. And um, I was laying on the couch the other night and I looked at Jason and I was like, I feel like I just cut onions. Like mm. my eyes started watering and and I don't have allergies mm-hmm. to, to the cat and I don't have allergies at all. But um, he's like, I bet you got a ruby hair like in your yeah. eye, you know, yeah. or you really specifically got that dander. And I was like, this is terrible. I know. I, know. <laughs> I had a friend of mine who said that his son had severe peanut allergy. And he went through some sort of process later in life, like at 17 or 18, where they do this very slow um, weaning in of eating peanuts. And at some point that you eat one peanut a day. And he was actually able to kick... The, the peanut allergy, which was amazing, sure. but he said that they, he had his son had a reaction, a really bad reaction, and they were in downtown Chicago and had to go to the hospital there. And the hospital in Chicago said that they really don't have a lot of reactions down there compared to the suburbs. And one of the things that they that they mentioned was how we keep everything so uber clean, mm-hmm. that we're Cloroxing everything, um. and that we're like we're not letting our kids get dirty enough. Almost mm. sure is that have you heard well, anything I mean, about it, it, it that? Would,
0: it would makes a lot of sense because of course a lot of our allergies are what we'd consider like IgE mediated, which means Ig our IgEs are antibodies that recreate against the allergens. So okay. Your body is kind of trying to fight it off. And so the more you're exposed to the allergen, you're gonna protect, hopefully protect your body about creating the bad antibodies that you, or the bad reactions, as you say, to those allergens. So it makes sense if you're exposed to it more um, that way. Um, But, and we definitely have seen that trend that um, um, when I worked more inner city to suburbs, you're definitely seeing more, you definitely see more allergies in the suburbs than you do in the inner city. So interesting, you know?
3: Could I ask, why is it that in some things we're exposed to as a child no issue whatsoever and then as an adult we are totally like just just just
0: sick as can be same similar thing like unfortunately our Body um, can create those antibodies anytime throughout your life, and can create that. That yeah. so the, the more sometimes the at one point your body just decides, oh, I'm not going to tolerate that allergen anymore, and creates that that reaction. So unfortunately, it can be anytime throughout life. Yeah. Usually, it's more seasonal allergies that we see that development, um, mm-hmm. or like environmental say, So whether it's to a pet or to dust or something outside, but um, food allergies less so. Um, but unfortunately, you can or even. Um, to antibiotic allergies unfortunately mm, that yes. can that can develop they can really develop an, at any time of course we see that food and aller, um, antibiotics more in kids but we see it we can see it as a kid as a people get older and once again it's a similar notion of the more you're exposed to um that allergen the worse the reaction is you were kind mm-hmm, of saying or mm-hmm. you you know you're going towards the EpiPen route same thing the more you're exposed to an antibiotic for example or that food sometimes your body just eventually has a bigger reaction mm-hmm. and you may have, and, and you may have tolerated it before but now you're not going to but yeah. I it's mean, it's frustrating i <laughs> had
3: penicillin as a child who knows how many times right, right? right i had mono in college and i was given penicillin and i rashed out from uh. head to toe uh, like nope. I I got kicked out of my dorm. (laughs) Oh really? We don't know what's going on. You (laughs) you need to go home. I I had to go home from school for like two weeks until that cleared up. Because I mean, I was the girl in the hood. Like, it's an awful rash. It's an awful
0: rash. So mono actually creates a um, drug reaction to penicillin. So it's not actually an allergic reaction. It's actually just you don't give penicillins to kids that might have mono. (laughs) So I have an (laughs) allergy. Oh, you're
1: yeah. yeah. right, right. <laughs> like, my hey, remember me from all those years ago? Are you kidding? <laughs> no. We, what? You're
3: yeah. <laughs> not like, allergic
1: to penicillin, probably.
3: Yeah. This is the best episode we've ever had. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Every, like, time, let's talk we, every time we get penicillin in the house, my kids have it for something. like. Okay, I can't touch yeah. it. I can't right. touch it. Oh, Well,
1: okay. if you don't so, have mono,
0: you're, yeah. you're going to go, so which you funny. shouldn't. Yeah. You shouldn't yeah.
1: Yeah. So we have time for one more question. Okay. Yeah. As a pediatrician, when do you have enough concern over symptoms a child's having, other than the sniffles or something like that, to actually refer them to an allergist?
0: That's a great question. Um, so. Um, uh difficult to manage symptoms Um, and because that's also the debate of like do you test or do not test and so why putting the two options for testing is either doing a blood test or doing um, the skin testing and for kids either is not a fun option like the both are uncomfortable for kids Sure. so if we they just have more mild symptoms in terms of sniffles and congestion runny nose a little cough and it definitely seems to be trending spring or fall or it's always in the winter with dust concerns we just try clinically managing it so I put them on and uh, Claritin or Zyrtec and seeing how their symptoms do if we're not managing those symptoms well with the -the over-the-counter medicines um, whether they need eye drops or the nose sprays or the oral medicines um, then we have the discussion of is it important do we want to talk about testing to see what it is that you're reacting to that we're not controlling well or and whether that's with um, a blood test or sending you to the allergist for that okay Um, also if you have recurrent infections particularly um, like sinus type symptoms Mm -hmm. that we keep having a heart um, you're on antibiotic left and right for recurrent sinus infections, we'll get allergists involved to know, better understand of how we avoid that antibiotic usage uh, yeah, and avoid that yeah. resistance to too many antibiotics that way. So a lot of times, and some parents want to know right away, so they which is an option, but most parents yeah. try to do clinically treatment and managing over-the-counter medicines, and if we're having a hard time managing, sending to the allergist, or if we're having too many infections, sending to the allergist.
1: Okay. All right. Well, yeah. great. Yeah. Thank you so you're much. Welcome. You're welcome. Managing your child's health care can be challenging sometimes. Dr. Cooling, we appreciate your information and your advice. You're welcome. We'll be right back with more from the Moms Network. Stay tuned.
3: This episode of the Moms Network is
4: brought to you in part by DuPage Medical Group, We care for you.
1: Of course, only real men finish the rustler.
0: And
2: breathe. I thought you said this was an intro class. Some situations in life call for a little sage advice, which is why we're physician-owned and led. DuPage Medical Group. We care for you. We're proud to call Naperville our hometown, where you can enjoy simple pleasures, such as a stroll along the Riverwalk or the excitement of a Friday night football game. It's where families can raise their children and plant their roots for generations to come. And so we're proud to be the city's nonprofit television station, keeping residents connected and informed through video storytelling on air and online. We ask that you continue to watch and share the stories about this wonderful town we call home.
0: This episode of The Moms Network is brought to you in part by DuPage Medical Group. We care for you.
1: Welcome back to The Moms Network. For our next segment, Erica, Lindsay, and I welcome back Dr. Danielle Cooling from DuPage Medical Group to discuss picky eaters. As a mom that had a child that didn't eat till he was four and a half, and a doctor that specializes in nursing and feeding issues, this topic is near and dear to my heart. Dr. Cooling, have you seen a rise in kids that are struggling with feeding issues?
0: Um, I, I think it, it, you know, it depends what we're talking about with feeding issues. Of course, like there are okay. t- traditional picky eaters where it's more on the behavioral side of. They just don't want to eat those foods, Um, and you have to work with kids on that versus kids that generally struggle, whether it's a sensory thing, a texture thing, or an actual anatomy, um, how they swallow function thing. So there's a lot of range when you're talking about picky eater where you're actually – are they really a picky eater, or is it actually just a problem that they're – A feeding disorder. Correct, correct. Okay. So it depends on the range. I feel like – we are a little bit more lax sometimes, um, and, as in and the community, in terms of um, letting our kids get away with sometimes picky eating. And, but I also realize as a mom that it's also you do what you need to do to get survived also too. So, <laughs> right. so uh, some um, days you
1: have to get yeah. out the door exactly. and get something in their exactly. in their uh, mouth. Right?
0: And sometimes, once again, it's not it's not no matter what you do you just need to know that your kids getting fed and and growing and getting the nutrition they need and whether it's not like everyone else's breakfast or everyone else's lunch (laughs) like it's, it's okay (laughs) yeah. <laughs> so it's okay to feed your daughter hot dogs in It's protein.
2: It's protein. It is.
1: It it's, is protein. You say they're turkey dogs. They're yeah. turkey dogs. Yeah. It
2: happens. I pick yeah. my battles in the morning sometimes. You have to. Our daughter is very picky. Um, yeah. We went to her three-year well visit with her pediatrician, and I, I looked at her pediatrician and I said, how do you know the difference between a toddler being a toddler mm-hmm. and just being picky and then an actual issue? And she said, really, if it's just detrimental to everyday life. And we started talking through things. She referred us to um, a speech and language pathologist Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. check the function, like you mentioned. Um, And actually, our daughter saw Dr. Kathy when she was a baby. That's how Kathy and I met. (laughs) She was about nine months old, and she did do some adjustments because she had some issues with nursing and that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. we kind of started to see this trend of sensory issues Mm -hmm. um, with her and other things, bath time. Um, I learned that tipping your head back during bath. To wash her hair was like the most vestibular input we could give her Mm. so she was having some issues then so then we were kind of piecing things together okay let's go for occupational therapy for sensory issues in general Mm -hmm. and then some feeding therapy with an slp and we did that and saw a huge difference in some things that she was then starting to try cucumbers carrots all these different tactics they did in feeding therapy that was remarkable to get her just to try them Mm -hmm. and get past something that isn't just behavioral right that was textural for her Mm -hmm. um And she still is a picky eater. She's still, you know, has her, she's still eating hot dogs, turkey dogs for breakfast (laughs) sometimes. But um, we are able to kind of get her to try new things. Um, She came home from school on what, or um, earlier this week. And she said on Monday, she said, mom, I ate carrots at snack time. And And we get a big high five. We're so excited that she was trying it. So, yes, I think that for us, we looked at the number of foods. If it wasn't, I think our pediatrician said, and the um, SLP said, if it wasn't for the number of fruits that she was eating, mm-hmm. so you count apples, blueberries, watermelon, peaches, mm-hmm. that she would be categorized as a problem eater mm-hmm. um, because okay. really the number of foods that she was eating, other than counting fruits individually, was so small. Mm-hmm. So then the feeding therapy kind of helped to try to expand that, and Dr. Kathy was able to help when she was a baby when she was nursing. Good.
1: Good. I know for, <laughs> (laughs) for when I was like a teenager, even probably up to 16, 17, I would eat salads of like iceberg lettuce, carrots, and cucumbers. And that was it. And now I'm the salad queen. So I think there is some differentiation between I'm really just a picky eater, right? For my son, feeding therapy wasn't the solution for him. Um, I know you said your daughter thrived in it. And Mm -hmm. so he was born, um, make a super long story short, but he was born, nursed no problem, but then wouldn't accept any food and at one, we went to the pediatrician. They said not to worry about it. At two, he was still drinking only formula out of a bottle. We did feeding therapy for two and a half years. It just didn't help him. It, we did. Um, he could lick a lollipop. And then we found a doctor who is a chiropractor that specializes in sensory disorders that came to the office to see him, literally put a glove on, put his finger in his mouth for 10 seconds, and then said, okay, he should unravel in about a month. And we kind of laughed when he left because it seemed like nothing. Mm -hmm. Next day I dropped him off at feeding therapy and he started eating everything on the table. Like the therapist called me crying going what did you do to your son? And I'm like why are you crying? (laughs) Yeah Um, and so as a chiropractor and I and I see kids all the time I trained with him over the years Mm -hmm. and so I specialize in nursing and feeding disorders. It certainly doesn't help every child but especially for that swallowing part Mm -hmm. for Nick the nerves that control the strength of the swallowing muscle was not as strong and so for him He knew at six months old, if I put food in my mouth, it's not going to be safe. Mm -hmm. And so the cranial adjustment just balances out part of the cranial area to allow the cranial nerves to function properly. So it's a very easy solution if that's the problem. Right. Mm But when do, you, when do you see parents coming in with concerns? What, what are, where does it start? Nursing? Does it start?
0: Oh, I mean, it can definitely, for every kid it's different. It definitely can start as young as nursing. Of course, you worry about things like um, an upper lip tie, a tongue yep. tie, things yep. like that with, the, with nursing, contributing to feeding problems at that point. If they already have a swallowing issue, you'll see that as early as obviously with the bottles and sw- um, nursing. Um, we do see some kids at six months that just kind of refuse the puree. And some of those yep. kids are just like, I don't like that texture. Right, And then you start, if you wait a little while till they can actually handle finger foods, they actually do take that really well. And it's truly mm-hmm. just the, the texture of purees. They're like, I don't want that, but I'm <laughs> ready for the big people food. And chewing, it wasn't a problem. So some yeah. kids, it's a very temporary thing. Some kids, that, that texture... Um, trouble with the texture lasts longer than that. So every kid's a little different. I always say that for one-year-olds, they definitely, most one-year-olds have fluctuating appetites. They have fluctuating taste buds. Mm -hmm. They are naturally going to be picky eaters because their taste buds are happening so often. So it's hard to feed a one-year-old. So that age is really hard just to know, like, are you being a one-year-old? Or or I say one and two-year-olds, even like the toddler age in general is that way. So it's very hard to know when to get your child help in that respect. And even on my end of like, how much do I need to worry about this and how much do I not need to worry about it? How patient we should we be with the kid's body versus pushing um, or looking, investigating more into um, swallowing dysfunctions or, or uh, texture, um, sensory processing problems and things like that. So sometimes um, frustratingly on the parents' end and on my end is Getting, when to get that diagnosis. Yeah. Um, and then definitely, yeah. of course, if you see trouble with growing and developing, that's affecting yeah. it. Of course, you're going to do it sooner if they're growing and gaining weight well. Um, and it's not affecting their day-to-day too much. You might be dragging your feet a little bit more just to see mm-hmm. if on their own they get there. So it's a frustrating process in terms of feeding. Right. It is. Right. It yes. is. I'm definitely on the parents' end. It would be too.
4: But. Yeah. I feel like it's a bit of a tunnel. I say, like, I have a daughter who's eight and mm-hmm. a son who's five. And she was picky as well. And mm-hmm. we don't have any... Um, Sensory or texture, you know, any of those physiological issues right. to my knowledge. Right. But she, you know, ate everything. Then they realize this cookie tastes better right, than right. steamed broccoli. Right. And they go into a tunnel of no. Right. Right. And around six, I would say, she got out of the tunnel. Right. And she will, right. does she eat everything? No, because she's only eight. Right. But is she trying more things now? Yes. And right. that's sort of my light at the end of the tunnel because I have that experience is with my son you know he I think he will get there
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) he will get there and the other
4: you know struggle is you know you say well okay every night we're going to eat dinner as a family well that doesn't happen you know one's out of town and there's activities so it's not like, well, I made this meatloaf and veggies; everybody's eating it. It's I'm making myself a quick bowl of soup or salad, right. so I'm just going to give the kids something they like. So there's not right. enough practice in the discipline of you're eating what's on the table, Right. and that's right. that's a personal problem, you know, that's well, all, within our family. No, I
0: structure. think that's in uh, I know in a busy family problem i guess right mm-hmm. and as your kids are involved in more and more and and, and with work and and things like that mm-hmm. i think it's just hard to sit down as a family and it's a it's nice to do and, and, and hopefully there are some nights you can't are able to do it but definitely when you're not making the same thing for everybody it's hard to yeah. make the rule of like well this is what i made like mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's hard to balance because i remember
1: sitting at the table for like two hours being told i had to finish my green beans and i hated them Like, and I ate some vegetables. It wasn't, I wasn't that picky of an eater as far as like, I would try things and stuff, but there was this mound of green beans. So it's hard to know, okay, should I force my child to eat this? Mm -hmm. You know, for my son, if I tried to force him to eat stuff, it would have been dangerous. People told me, just force him to eat. I'm like, I don't think you understand. So again, there's that balancing act of, (laughs) am I doing the right parenting move to, you can encourage, but forcing Absolutely. in some ways is is beyond where the child needs to be based off of what the problem is. I get
4: very frustrated when I see that because you have a five-year-old crying, screaming, and you're literally trying to shove food. And I just think this is setting up a lifetime of a relationship with food yeah, that right. is not enjoyable, stress-free.
0: Yeah, I don't <laughs> like shoving food in kid's mouths. No, I agree yeah. with that. I think that... Rewarding behavior and rewarding yeah. try, mm-hmm. even yeah. trying. Even um, trying is yeah. a good thing. Um, if there's a treat after a meal or like a, a dessert after meal, like, they should that rewarded by getting that versus if they're not gonna if mm-hmm. they're not gonna even to give you one bite you should be careful of how you're rewarding them at a young age for that. Um, but I like I, I like at the younger ages like their age bite rules. So like for a three year old give me three bites. You're three yeah. give me three bites. If you're four give me four bites. As they get older it's harder to get more. That, bites. That's why but I'm over little right? Give me 40 I, bites. Let me have forty six <laughs> bites right. of that ice right. cream. Well, the little kids you can kind of work through that a little bit. But I don't like in the little kids I, I don't I mean encourage shoving the food in their mouth. Usually it's like you want to encourage, you try different, try a different variety. Obviously they shouldn't get everything they want, but you try a different variety, try to get a couple bites in, reward the behavior when they do it, and then you try again the next day. Yeah. You try again the next day. Yep. Yep
1: it's just kind of a never-ending journey of trying to figure it out and also at the end of the day are you healthy are you growing are you strong are you sick all the time right Right? Right. and so at the end of the day if they're eating a a number of foods and they're getting at least some variety Mm -hmm. usually it seems as if as they grow into adults like myself okay yeah I want to eat all the salads so right um, Right. now
4: I always think it's definitely better that one than what i was eating in the 80s (laughs) the kids literally don't know what a pop tart is they don't know what you know
0: it's it's got to be better (laughs) as long as long as you're looking for in general, well-balanced things. Like, did they get some protein today? Did they get any fruit or vegetables? Are they on multivitamins? Right, right, right. Right. Um, Is it all carbs? Did they get enough calories? Right, right, yeah.
1: There are so many reasons kids have feeding difficulties and we are thankful that there are a number of types of doctors and therapists that are able to be part of the solution. Thank you to Dr. Cooling for joining us and to you for tuning in to the Moms Network. Remember, you are always invited. Thank you.
0: This episode of the Moms Network is brought to you in part by DuPage Medical Group. We care for you.